Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. This is a Brawl Network production. Hey, Brawl listeners, are you struggling to find the perfect little stocking stuffer? Head over to manscaped.com, use promo code BRAWL, that's manscaped.com. You'll save yourself 20% and you get free shipping. Use promo code BRAWL, grab the new lawnmower 3.0, believe me, you can thank me later, but do not head into the holidays like a matted up Sasquatch, get lawnmower 3.0, spend a few bucks on maintaining the Christmas cookies, and get yourself ready to slide down the chimney. With their speedy shipping, you've still got time, but you need to head over now to manscaped.com, use promo code BRAWL, save yourself 20%, and get free shipping. That's manscaped.com. And welcome into Falcons Brawl here on the Brawl Network, our inaugural episode Gets underway. I am your host, Mark Zeno, joined by my partner in crime, one of the best in the biz, radio producer at 92.9 The Game. You know him best as Squidbilly. He is Bo Morgan, and he will be on the Falcons brawl with us all throughout the rest of the season and going forward. So we welcome him in. Bo, welcome as always. Great to talk to you, buddy. Thanks, Mark. Hey, you left off uh, executive producer for the Atlanta Falcons yeah, I, Radio I, Network. Yeah, I knew you were I gonna, mean, how could you leave that off? I knew you were going to bring that up, and I did it on purpose because I know that it is a source of pride for you. But that is why you are here, because of the inside information that you can provide us with as the executive producer of the Falcons Radio Network. Yes. Inside information. Well, I don't know how much of that you're going to get, but you're definitely going to get some insider opinions. <laughs> well, I think the audience, uh, for those who uh, have, have been in the Atlanta market, have been dying to see you and me go at it on a platform for quite some time now. They've seen us fight on Twitter, but now they're going to get to see us fight back and forth in audio format. So I'm excited for them for that reason alone. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's it's been a um, four, five, six-year battle now i believe since we yeah. since we've known each other that we've had these twitter fights and uh you know nobody's wrong although mark is always wrong in yeah, our that, you, you can keep telling yourself and, that and uh there's a lot of opinion although minus fact and marks is just flat out being wrong yes uh but you know what it's, it's always been fun and we don't uh necessarily hold back in our in our, our debates, I guess you could say, 
No, certainly not. Uh, and, and sometimes it can get ugly, but people tend to take us a little bit too seriously on Twitter. Speaking of Twitter, follow us on Twitter at Network Brawl. Or again, you can go to thebrawlnetwork.com or wherever you get podcasts. So let's get it going here because uh, there's a lot to dissect as it pertains to the Falcons. And, you know, I know we're starting this sort of late in the season as this project gets underway, but. Let's take it from a macro level. I mean, you know, dissecting the game at this point, I, I think, is a little bit futile because uh, they are officially eliminated from the playoffs. So if we look at this in a macro level, Bo, where did the Falcon season go wrong, in your opinion? Oh, where to start? Uh, Dallas. <laughs> yeah, I suppose Order you could make that Dallas. argument. No, look, there's, there's, there's no other argument to me. It went wrong in Dallas. I think you're up 26 to three or something like that. And that's where the season went wrong. You blow that lead. You end up losing that game. Even if you squeak that game out, you are not in the position you are. And then you go on to blow three or four other games in almost the same fashion to a lesser extent. Um, And then injuries started to take place. You know, the Julio Jones injury has held this team back. Uh, And I'll, you know, you talked about you made the the joke insider information, and I told you I'd give you insider opinion. Well, I do know that there was a dark cloud over this team during the after the Cowboys game. You know, during the debacle with the Bears, and uh, you know the Panthers were a game that was thrown in there. The first meeting with the Panthers, there was a dark cloud. It was like a waiting for the other shoe to drop um, feeling in that locker room, and. You know, it was it was it was tough because those players loved Dan Quinn, and uh, you know they also had a lot of admiration and respect for Thomas Dimitrov, who they knew to a lesser extent because they were around Dan every day, who brought them in. But they knew it was coming, and I think it was a dark cloud, and so that dark cloud really started in the Dallas game because as soon as you blow that lead, Super Bowl Fifty One comes up. The speculation is that that now this is a this is a kind of loss that gets you fired all those things mark that's where it started that's what started this whole uh this whole season in a downward spiral yeah i mean and again when you go back to the beginning of the season and there was optimism i think there was a reason for optimism like even me you know people would tell me uh, that, that i lean or skew towards a negative i don't believe that but I would tell you that. That's true. They, shut up. Uh, that there, there. I thought there was reason for optimism with this team. I thought that they had a chance, you know, to at least make some noise going into this season. You know, and I looked at the first four games because you know we always typically break down the season in quarters. I really felt like two and two was possible. And and as you said, I, I do agree. Blowing that lead to the Cowboys in week two, instead of being one and one heading into Chicago with a little bit of momentum, you're now zero and two. Uh, going into a game against a beatable team with a subpar quarterback uh, that you easily should win, and and you repeat the same mistakes and, and back-to-back losses, there was there was no way Dan Quinn was surviving any of that. And, and for people who were skeptical about him being the head coach of this team when the season started, had every reason to believe after those two losses he should have no longer coached another game for this team. Now again, we can argue about when the timing of he was finally at go and why and what, but at that point, I think the fate was sealed after three weeks of football. Yeah, I, you know, I, I've, it's it's one of those things where you have to clarify, and I don't always like to do it, but you know, I knew Dan well. Uh, I talked to Dan before, I talked to Dan after. He was let go by the team, and 
I honestly was surprised he got on the plane coming home from Dallas. I was even more surprised he left the building after Chicago uh, and <laughs> immersed that, that he that he was still there. And the, the, the thing is, it's not losing games. It's how you're losing right. games. Okay? How you lose All- matters a hell of a lot more than how you win. Because when you win, it doesn't matter what it looks like. People remember the W. How you lose games, people never forget. Well, let's look at the first three losses, uh, Mark. The Seahawks game looked a heck of a lot like the first seven, eight, nine weeks of, or eight weeks of 2018, uh, 19, excuse me. Right. A lot like it. Defensively, you know, we're lost. I mean, Isaiah Oliver gets beat on a double move. Well, not even a double move. It was a, simply a go route by DK Metcalf on fourth and one, and Isaiah Oliver misses the jam. He's playing press coverage. He misses the jam. Metcalf runs right by him for a touchdown. Um, you go to Dallas. I think it was 26 to, to three, maybe. Um, 29 to three, possibly. Whatever. It was 20. And, yeah, it was 29 to three. 29 to, to 10 at one point is what it was. But I think it was 26 three at one point. 26 seven was the, was, was the biggest lead that they there, had. There you go. 26 seven. And so you can tell that I've tried to forget as much of this game as possible. <laughs> because honestly, this game stung as it stung a lot like the Super Bowl because it was very similar. But anyways, um, but nowhere near the extent. Fact of the matter is, okay, well, how many times in 2016 did this team get up? And I know that was a Super Bowl year, and teams almost come back. And then that happened at the worst time possible, the Super Bowl. You turn around, week two, you do it to the Cowboys. It's like the ghost of football pass come and bite you. A a, a staple of the Dan Quinn era was losing big leagues. Yep. Okay? His era in Atlanta will forever be known for losing big leagues. And – you know, you can say it's all about the Super Bowl, but he did it more than once. And his teams did. Let me rephrase that. And so, boom. And then you turn around and do it with a quarterback who was is, is not very good. And then he gets benched for a guy who's just average. And he comes back and all of a sudden, you know, he's wearing a, a, the number nine jersey for the Bears with a face shield. And Hell, he looked like Jim McMahon, or you made him look like Jim McMahon. And they come back and beat you. And then you go lay an egg in Green Bay. So, I mean, again, guys running wide open, no-name receivers. Devontae Adams didn't even play in that game. So, once again, the ghost of football pass came back of the Dan Quinn era. I was surprised he made it to week five, and I'm a big fan of the guy personally. Yeah, same here. I mean, listen, I always loved Dan Quinn. We always had a great relationship, and – uh, I just, but I knew it was time. The writing was on the wall. It, it wasn't going to get any better. And so they move on and that transitions us to Raheem Morris and, and the present. Uh, you and I may diverge here. I, I have been a proponent from the beginning of this whole thing that, look, you're getting rid of the coach and you get rid of the GM. Then you know what? Let's just clean house and start all over. But in your opinion, does Raheem Morris deserve a chance to coach this team in 2021? Well, he's getting his he's getting his audition right now. So that being said, 
I think Raheem Morris has done a ton of good things. Um, I would probably move on completely uh, just because I think that you need a clean slate for this organization. When you, you need a culture change. Team. I mean, it, it, it has to be a culture change. Listen, and I'm with you. I like Raheem. I'm not saying he shouldn't be a head coach in the NFL again. I'm just saying with the Atlanta Falcons at this current juncture, there's no reason to even go down this road. There's just well, not. I do believe that things I, – I personally know that things have changed on the inside. Uh, I do I, – I think that black cloud is gone. And I think Raheem Morris has held players more accountable for whatever reason that accountability for some reason was lacking there the last year. And yeah, well, Dan Quinn, to your point, Dan Quinn never did that. He never held people publicly accountable, period. Uh, well, look, there's a difference in holding people publicly accountable and holding them accountable inside the building. And Dan Quinn did hold people accountable inside that building for a long time. For some reason, that seemed to kind of or appear – to not be there um, the last year and a half or year and five games of this uh, of his uh, tenure, and I don't know where that wh- where it happened, but I like the way that Raheem handled the Tack McKinley situation. You know what? You don't want to be here. We don't want you here. Get out. Um, and you see how that's going. You know, Tack Tack Tack, and a lot of misinformation was spewed from that whole Tack McKinley situation from Tack himself about teams offering picks for him let me tell you something i want to clear that up right now no one was offering draft picks for a man who could not be on the field who could not walk in your building and pass a physical okay and we've seen that's why attack went to what four different teams after he was signed with the falcons or his oldest third or fourth different team whatever it is because he couldn't stay healthy he's not healthy but anyways i like how raheem is handled to me i do believe that there has been a culture shift in there but why hire a GM and say, oh, and by the way, here's your coach. Now, if a GM comes and says, I like Raheem Morris, I want to interview him for the job, and you interview him, and maybe Raheem was holding on to the rope, because look, Raheem couldn't just fire everybody. All right, he, he got rid of Ben Kowicka, uh, which was probably something that needed to happen with the, the year and five games he had as a special teams coordinator. But so to that point, you know, I think Raheem's done everything he can without you – know, he just can't clean everybody out. But I would like to see kind of everything new from the front office to Absolutely. the coaching staff. Absolutely. Hey, me, from me, top to bottom, the whole coaching staff needs to go. And it's not because I don't think they're good folks. It's not because I don't think they're good coaches. I just think we need a paradigm shift in the culture inside Flowery Branch. I think that Jeff Ulbrich is going to have a D.C. job very soon. Uh, talk, we talked to Stephen Means recently, and, and, and Means talked about the fact that he doesn't know, to like a direct quote, he doesn't know what Jeff Ulbrich does in his office, but he knows that Jeff Ulbrich has been the reason for the, the change in the defense, that Jeff Ulbrich has been the guy. He just knows how to put the players in the right situations. I think Raheem Morris might be a head coach somewhere with, with, with Jeff Ulbrich as his D.C., and I hope that Raheem – Raheem Morris better have interviews around the league because he's done a pretty good job uh, for what he was left with, what he inherited, and maybe having coaches like the offensive coordinator that maybe does not fit in the style that he wants to play. There's not a style that that offensive coordinator fits, period, other than losing. That's the only style he fits. I mean, that's uh, at this point, we have enough data, we have enough evidence that 
that that is not an OC that anybody's going to rehire again. He's gone the way of Ben McAdoo. Like, he's done in this league, if you ask me. Well, I, I, would, I would tell you that for where he's at age-wise and probably what his bank account looks like, he could probably be done um, <laughs> if he wanted to. Look, I, I think that creative-wise, the Falcons have looked like a dis- they're in a disadvantage. It's it, it feels pretty easy to predict when they're going to run the ball. Um, if you're looking, if you're looking on the, you know, at, at, at the personnel groupings they run, I just feel that, you know, everybody wants to ride the quarterback right now, and he's the problem, and he's old, and all this kind of stuff. And it's easy to say that maybe the system's older than the quarterback, and maybe uh, uh, a little bit more. Uh, what do you want to say? You know, you know, a little bit more ingenuity in this offense could really go a long ways. I mean, just being creative could go a long ways in, in a Matt Ryan uh, kind of 3.0. Cause we right. saw Matt Ryan 2.0 under Kyle Shanahan and, and, and really Steve Sarkeesian who Matt performed phenomenally uh, under I mean, you look at his 18 season. I think he yeah. was like 37 and five or something. I mean, like that. that 18 season, I think, it, it, forget the MVP year. That was Matt's best year because a lot of us will attribute 16 to Kyle. And you should because Kyle really was a big reason for all that. But when you take a guy like Steve Sarkeesian, who called plays for exactly one year in his career prior, uh, you know, to 20. 20- 18 what Matt was able to do in that year I think was his best season ever but we're gonna we're gonna get to Matt here in a moment and in, in his future Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli I guess aha in my dentist's office more than once actually do I have to say yes you do in the car before my kids PTA meeting really yes excuse me what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky I never win and tell well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Future. I, I want to ask you one more thing, and I want to go over one more thing in reference to the, the head coach, because they do have an opening there, obviously, and they have one at the GM. And I'm beginning to wonder which position that they hire really is more important uh, for the short term. See, I, I would put it this way. The GM you hire is, is more important in the big picture, what the next three to five years look like. But if this team has any hope of being competitive, and by being competitive, I mean being able to at least make the playoffs, I would argue the head coach they hire is more important for 2021 than anything else. Um, if you're not going to do a full rebuild, if you're going to do a full rebuild, I think it's a completely different philosophy from top to bottom. But where do you sit on the head coach versus the GM and the more important hire, at least in the short term? Uh, you know, that's a tough one really, because I can tell you whoever the head coach is, it's going to, if, if, if you're going, you're, you're probably going to have to ride with your star receiver and your star quarterback due to the cap limitations. Um, so it's tough for me to say that whoever that is, the offensive system and the guy calling plays is going to be extremely important. But it's also, 
I got to go and look at this 2021 draft. This might be one of the toughest drafts ever because you don't know if you're even going to get a senior bowl. You don't know what kind of combine you're going to get and how many guys can be there because you don't know where the next six months are going to go pandemic wise. We hope with the vaccine, we are start, we're going to see the uh, light on the other side of the tunnel, but I need a guy that in that, in that GM spot that can go in there and, and nail this draft because I'm telling you, if you could get an edge rusher and you could get a, a guy who could run the ball, you know, just, I mean, just an average runner right now. I mean, I think you've been so handicapped in the running back position, especially with the Todd Gurley signing, because you got a guy on a, 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 a snap count essentially. Mm-hmm. But if you could, if you could throw some pieces around some of this roster, it's going to be big. If you can find out a way to, depending on the way you want to run a defense, because you know, Keanu Neal has had a quietly good year. Well, is he going to get a big money contract? I don't know if he would. I think he might have to do a prove it year, one more prove it year, because I think some guys might be, they don't want to give that guy. They want to see if he can stay healthy two years in a row uh, before they give him big money. So I think there's some pieces that this team has to think about. And if you want to win next year, the guy picking the, the groceries is going to be very important. He's going to have to nail this draft. He's going to have to bring in scouts to nail this draft. So it's hard for me to say that the coach is any more important than the GM and vice versa. I think you're going to have to have guys that are on the same page. And that's and I would hope that the GM is the hired first. Yeah, I would too. And I, I, again, I am big on the culture and the philosophy from the top. Uh, and here's where I struggle. Uh, I don't know that Rich McKay is going to make a sort of transitional hire at GM. I think Rich McKay is going to go with the safe play. I think he's going to go with a known commodity. I think he's going to go with a guy who's had a GM job before. I don't think McKay goes down the road of a Lewis Riddick. I don't think he goes down the road of the hottest you know, player personnel director from a, a successful franchise. I don't think he looks at those guys. I think he's going to play it more safe uh, and more of the what we are used to doing mentality. And I just don't know that it's going to get it done. I mean, if you go down the road of a Reggie McKenzie or or a Rick Smith, I, I think you know what you're getting. I think you're limited in guys like that at GM. I, I think they're going to do the same things they've always done. And guess what? Those things haven't really been all that successful. So, well, that's, that's not the same thing they've always done, though, because you got to remember, everyone thinks Rich McKay has this grand influence over Mr. Blank, and I, I think he does have influence. I, 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 he is the CEO for a reason. But Rich McKay was a part of the – the group that hired Thomas Dimitrov, a first, you know, at the time had never been a GM, um, had only been a, a scout in, uh, uh, you know, in with the Midwest to Colorado, you know, West Coast area for the Patriots. He, and so they, they've, they've gone outside the box before. So yeah, but I don't see why they couldn't do it again. I, again, I, I, I think 15 years ago now, I mean, he was here for 13, so it was over 14 years ago. The game was different back then. I mean, a lot of things have changed in 14 years. If the NFL is, is marked by one thing, is that it moves fast, right? It moves faster than other leagues do when it comes to stuff like that. And I'm not saying that 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 what your assessment of the whole thing was wrong. I just I, I don't know at this point that they're going to roll the dice and take a huge chance like that. I just I have a hard time believing it until I see it because all the other moves that have been made have been very cookie cutter. They've been very uh, you know sort of consistent with the way things have always been done. And I am somebody who feels like if they're going to turn this thing around, 
that it needs to be done in a manner that is reflective of a philosophy that presides from the top. You talk about running the football. You've, you know I, I've railed on this for years. Running the football is philosophical. It's not based off of a player. It's, it's philosophical. Either you have a commitment to run the football, and whether you do it by committee or you do it with a soul back like Dalvin Cook in Minnesota or you split it up like they do in Cleveland between two guys, it is a philosophical commitment. And they've never had a coach who's had the philosophical commitment to the run, and that's why they've struggled, save Kyle Shanahan, who had a phys- philosophical commitment to the run. So I, well, I think it's things I like that. Hold on. They had a coach that was philosophical to the run. I mean, Mike Smith. You go look at the first three, four years. Uh, well, uh, again, but that's—I mean, that was—that was a long time. I mean, again, you were talking yeah, the 08. The game has changed. The game has changed. What's sure. the last team that heavily runs the football to win a Super Bowl? I mean, you could argue that the Chiefs were a, a heavy run team. No, th- come on, Bart, stop. Stop what? Stop. A- Andy Reid. That Cincinnati team. I'm sorry, Cincinnati. Oh, Jesus. That Kansas City team uh, was a top ten running team in the league. Yeah, because and it was you know why? Because teams were worried that they're getting too deep safety looks because you have Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, Nico Hardeman, you have Patrick Mahomes. It's it that's the and that is the literal issue that the Falcons have now. The biggest issue with the Falcons is they can't run on te- too deep safety looks when they do have Julio and Calvin outside. Because that's what you're going to get when you have weapons. The defense has to account for that. They can't just put men in the box. But for the some reason, when the Falcons decide to run, and this is your dirt cutter thing, they want to put Luke Stalker and have this max protect look, and they literally have one wide receiver on the outside, and the other receiver is just is in motion right on the line in the slot position. It's almost screaming, "Hey, we're running!" Hey guys. Yeah, well. Oh, it's not Ty Gurley because he can't play right now. We're going to put Edo Smith in here. Ty Gurley is one of the worst signings in the offseason. I don't care about his nine touchdowns, should be eight, because he's cost you three games on his own. Well, I would would tell you, just to answer your question, Seattle in 2013 was a run-the-ball team. They've had fourth in the league in rushing that year. They they were. They were also uh, built on defense. They were built on defense and running the football. Two-year quarterback, second-year quarterback. I, and, and I was waiting for you to mention that one. Sorry, I mean to catch off. I was waiting for you to mention that one because that was the one I thought of immediately when I said that. And I was like, I know he's going to come with this one. You shot me with Kansas City, which is well ridiculous. because Andy Reid is always Andy Reid has always been philosophically leaning towards the run. I mean, it's always been part of what what his now. Granted, he's transitioned in Kansas City a lot because he's had more weapons there than he's ever had before. Um, but he's always been a, a, a kind of heavy run guy uh, philosophically. But to your point, I mean, again. I look at the changes at the top of the organization, and, and this is what I'm looking for for this team to sort of turn things around in a way that is actually effective uh, and can do it in the short term. I, I, I just, you and I have gone back and forth both publicly on Twitter and privately in text messages on where I sit on Rich McKay. I feel like part of the cleaning the house, he should have gone to. Uh, he, is, he is a vestige of what has been failure in the last three years, and I think it's just time to move on. I'm not saying that he is bad, per se. I am just saying that if you're going to change everything, Blank should, should have sent him out the door as well and changed everything across the board. How, how is he a problem of the last three years when he has, until the last, until the failures... Because he's had no, you're saying he's had no football on. operations, right? 
2019, he was not in overseeing anything. For, in fact, the man didn't even talk about the personnel or anything that was done. He it literally, since Thomas Dimitrov entered the building, Rich's job was the stadium. Now, you can say, I know that some people want to act like he has things. Yeah, and sure, he's around Thomas. I mean, excuse me, uh, Mr. Blank. But he's the CEO of the team. Um, now, when he had no personnel decisions, I, I'm really not sure how he is to blame for the failures of the GM and the head coach. And look, there's plenty of failures and I, to go around, uh, but Mercedes-Benz Stadium is not reason the Falcons are losing, although they haven't overly played there well since they moved in. <laughs> uh, I don't think that's because Rich built it a certain way. or I, I'm not He really built it for losing. <laughs> It was the I roof. Mean, it was the roof. I, I, I'm not going to sit here and defend Rich McKay to the cows come home because that's not who I am. I just don't understand the logic of he should be going too. I don't understand why people like okay. to, well, the logic, to throw out. The logic is simple. The logic is. into the failures. The logic is, is, is that you brought back a guy to replace the guy who you fired him for. And and not only that, you elevated him to a higher position. Like that doesn't make any sense. You you don't divorce your wife to date the girl that you dumped before your wife. Like that, that well, just some, it doesn't I've, make any I've sense. Had I've had friends that've done that, by yeah, the way. Okay. But, well, you, you, of but course will, you have. I will tell you this. That's not what happened. Rich was the president and CEO before Dan were on the proverbial proverbial. Excuse me. Uh, 2020 hot seat, hot seat before yeah. the season even started, and and basically you screw up just this much, and you'll be flying a, flying a rubber uh, 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 a cargo plane full of rubber dog crap out of Hong Kong. That's pretty much what they were told before the season. I mean, they literally had a Top Gun moment, all right. But that Rich didn't do that. That was blank. And 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 maybe you know you can say okay, well he came in. But, well, you know, he didn't – yeah, he was a part of certain meetings, but I don't believe Rich sat in the 2020 draft and was like, oh, you better get this guy or you better sign Dante Fowler. Uh, he didn't get a better spot. He was just told, hey, you need to watch over this because I believe – I do believe – look, Arthur Blank is a brilliant businessman. You don't become a billionaire and build a Home Depot. But I believe part of that move was you need to be a part of this in case I need to get rid of these guys. You need to know – What's the, the inner workings of everything that's going on? So I need to get rid of these guys. Okay, now let's let's transition here because you brought up something that I think is worthwhile. I agree, Arthur Blank is a brilliant businessman, but business and football business are two completely different things. They are not the same, and football business requires you to be a hell of a lot more cold, callous, and calculating than regular business does. And so now we come to the question of the future of Matt Ryan and Julio Jones and where they are and what they're going to do. Now, people have told me on Twitter that I hate Matt Ryan. I do not hate Matt Ryan. I've never once said a bad thing about Matt Ryan as far as his quarterback play. I have said I don't believe he belongs in the Hall of Fame, but there's a lot of guys I don't think belong in the Hall of Fame. That doesn't mean that I hate the guy or think he's a bad quarterback or has had a bad career. I do think at this juncture, it is time to move on from Matt Ryan. Not because Matt Ryan's play has necessarily declined to a level where it's unsustainable. I don't believe it has. I I think we're seeing signs of a dip, but I don't think it's a precipitous drop-off like we saw with Peyton Manning, right? Like, it's not that. He hasn't fallen off a cliff. So I think Matt Ryan can still play at a really high level. 
I just don't think that Matt Ryan and Atlanta fit together anymore. The relationship has sort of run its course. And to that end, the four most important people in a football organization, the owner, the GM, the head coach, and the quarterback, if you're replacing two of them, replace the third and start fresh from the beginning. His contract, as much as people don't want to say it is, it is movable. It is movable from the standpoint of if you designate him with a post-June 1st release, forget the trade. I mean, the numbers flayed a little bit. Any, anything post-June, you're getting $23 million in dead cap in 21 and $26 million in dead cap in 22. However, comma, you're saving $17 million in 21. So it's a net of $6 million against the cap that you're losing in 21. I think if you're going to do this, if you're going to separate from your quarterback, and again, we've seen it in other places. I always use the, the example of, of the Giants. Eli Manning won that franchise two Super Bowls, and they dropped him like third-period French at the first opportunity. I mean, it, 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 this is the way it has to happen in the NFL. This isn't about whether Matt Ryan is good or bad or whether he could still play or not. This is about it's, business. You this can't is, compare how those two played at the end of their career or how they're playing. It, Eli Manning but again, it's not even about how – see, the point is it's not about how you're playing. I mean, I can think of one example of a 36-year-old or older quarterback – who has found a fountain of youth because of a coaching change that led them to a Super Bowl, and it was Kurt Warner in Arizona, and they didn't even win the damn Super Bowl. At this point, it's really, really tough to find a quarterback who can, at this point in his career, all of a sudden dip back into, as you mentioned, Matt Ryan 2.0 in 2016 and 2018, to get a Matt Ryan 3.0 with a new coach that all of a sudden is Super Bowl caliber. I think you're betting against the odds of that happening. So... uh, I am just sitting here saying objectively, from a business standpoint, it's time to move on. Well, I would disagree. John Elway won his last Super Bowl, I believe, at 38. Yeah, but but he had Shanahan for years in that position. Uh, the Mike Shanahan, matter. not Kyle. He, well, I believe Shanahan was only there for four or five years when he won with him. Uh, but still, the fact of the matter is, um, he won Super Bowls because you put teams around him. You know what you did? You did, I, I don't disagree that you – and by the way, uh, him, and, him and Shanahan had, had, had issues as well uh, during a tenure. But, I, look, there's no doubt that you go in there and you can build things around Matt Ryan and still win. But, see, here's, I mean, the, here's, there's, here's there's, the doubt in that. It's the contract. By the way, by the way, by the way uh, Shanahan didn't get there in 95, and they won their first Super Bowl in 97. And the contract, the contract is – Look, the problem is, is you don't know where the cap is next year. Right. And there have been reports it'll be at 170. There are also reports it'll at be at 195. Right. There, there, there are differing reports. No one knows the truth. Okay. To the that fact, end, but to, to but, that, but let's just say, on. okay, you just go ahead. Can't, you just can't clean house. If you, I've heard people foolishly say that they want the left tackle gone. They want well, that's the, dumb. The, the second year, the the new the defensive end Dante Fowler will be going the second year next year. No, gone. They want Julio gone, and they want Ryan gone. Well, if you got rid of all those people, you're looking at like 115 million dollars in dead cap. Okay, yeah, maybe if you do Ryan June 1st, you can, remember you can only, you can't do all of those guys June 1st. No, you can only so do two of them. So let's say you do Ryan, uh, you know, first. Then maybe you're only looking at like a hundred million in dead cap, or, or or 90 or something like that. But you're still looking at a ton of dead cap. Um, no reason why you couldn't make a few tweaks and win with Matt Ryan. There's there's none. And then you could 
move to the next phase. Now, hold on a but, second. When you talk I'll, about but, a few tweaks, let me just interject here. Let's just say for argument's sake, the cap is at 195 mil. According to over the cap, right now the Falcons are 35 million over that 195 million. How are you going to shed players and then add better ones when you've got to get under the cap? Like that's the problem they're facing right now. Well, part of it is there are players that won't, you know, there's guys that you're going to have to basically say bye to. Unfortunately, there's a guy on defense who might be there, Ricardo Allen, that, you know, what you do with the Keanu Nils contract and how you structure that. You'll probably move some contracts around, which is what you do every year, every year. Guys move contracts around and we see signings. Sure. Every, every year. So I don't want to hear about the cap part where how are you going to get under because it'll happen. But the other part, and I'd said this earlier, you have to build through the draft and the Falcons. But that's a long process. It's hard to no, do it, it in a year or no, two. No, 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 no. See, it's not. It's not this long process. The Falcons had one of their best drafts ever in, in 2016. Yes. And, and the Saints had one of their best drafts ever in 2017. You know what the Saints were going into the 2017 season? They were in cap hell. The, the proverbial cap hell, which everyone wants to talk about. They were in cap hell, and they were old. With Drew Brees is old, and they, they got a Kamara. They got a couple of guys on defense. Boom. They, they, they blow a playoff game. They should have won, and they're right back in it. So the cap is workable, but it's not so workable when you just start cutting guys and trading guys, which is, you know, the average, and I don't think you, I'm not saying you, but there's a lot of guys just want to throw out there and say, oh, clean house. Well, cleaning house is a lot harder than it seems. No, but again, I'm not, I'm not advocating also, cleaning also, house. Mark, where are you going to get a quarterback? You're going to draft him. Okay. So you're going to draft a guy. You're going to draft because I know that it gets easy to say, well, we got to get Trevor Lawrence or get Justin Fields. Well, you're four and nine. Let's say you win one of the next three. You're going to be five and eleven. All right. So you're five and eleven. You're still middle of the first of the top ten. Uh, so now you're going to have to trade draft picks to get to Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields. Yes. Yeah. You're going to unless you're going to want to take a uh, was it Zach Wilson, I think is his or, name, or a Trey Burton. Or, you know, a guy like that who comes in at, at five or six that that, that may yeah, be there? Yeah. Look, look, but nothing nothing screams those guys are the next thing. Well, nothing okay, screamed so Josh me. Allen was the next thing, and he, he's worked out pretty good through two-plus years so far. Uh, This is his third year, isn't it? That's what and, I'm saying, two-plus years, yeah. Yeah, and he has just now found his way, and that team has defense. Okay. Like, but again— But they can afford again, to do defense because their quarterback doesn't cost them any money. That's why they can afford Guess to what? do defense. You're the formula. Be, you're still dealing with cap issues. Okay, but the formula the Julio, to win. The, Ryan, the, the formula like, to the win just... in the NFL is a quarterback on a rookie deal. That's how you build around him. Great, but guess what? It's only that way when you can go out and sign on one side of the ball to help that guy. You're not in that position right now. But okay, but have, that's my point. You, you can have... put yourself in that position by moving on from Ryan. That's that's yeah, the decision you, know you have to make. Look. But so you're gonna move on from Ryan to a guy who is you're gonna have to pray can make it, and you're gonna throw him to the wolves. That's, how, 
It's Why not throwing him to the wolves. Hey, hold Listen. On, hold on, hold on. You're, you're twice as good if you just keep the guy for one more year and draft your replacement and draft. At least that guy can sit behind him. And whether he does a Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers, or he does, you know, what other guys have done in the league and, and kind of helps him out a little bit, you're at least in a better spot because you let that guy kind of get his footing. I mean, when, when you, when you, when, and what the biggest failure is guys, fans, uh, media, they always think, oh, the next quarterback's just a pick away. There's no freaking guarantee. And No, there's not. But in recent years, win, we've seen the top 10 yield a lot more fruit than not. Save Josh with Rosen. A veteran, with a veteran roster like this, you could add some key players in the draft for cheap, plug in a couple of uh, guys who are – because, you I mean, you look at A.J. Terrell, a guy who's played phenomenal this year as a rookie cornerback. You can add guys, and you might be right there. But to just say, oh, throw away and get the next guy, that you could be 10 years later. We could be doing this podcast on the Brawl Network, and we could be saying, well, Falcons are just a quarterback away. They know they can win. I, I, but I look, regardless, whoever makes that decision, it should, two people should be making that decision in 2021. And it should be the new GM and the new head coach. And that's why I think that the GM hire should come first because then you're on the same page and you hire a guy who is kind of under the same thought process that you are. Okay, so let's let's say for argument's sake, even though I categorically disagree with it, you're keeping Matt Ryan. Are you keeping Julio Jones? Well, Julio is probably a little bit easier to move than Matt. He, he definitely is easier to move. The cap numbers are more favorable than Matt. There's no doubt about that. I, I'm, I'm telling you, I would be. It would be easier. It'd be easier to obviously financially, it's easier to keep one and have the other. But I think you're in a better position if you keep. If you keep Matt Ryan, you're in a better position. If you wanted to move on from Julio, you could. By the that way, being said, that being said, that being said, if you move on from Matt Ryan, it's a lot easier than, 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 than it's a better situation for the guy walking in to be throwing the ball. Yes, that's exactly what I was going to say. Jones. If you got a young quarterback, it's nice to have Julio Jones on your roster. Like that makes his job a heck of a lot easier. You know what else is nice to have? A running thing. Well, again, something else you can go fix. Everything. You can't. You know what? You can't. Do everything. No, you, you can't. To, but but you have to fix the running game through a draft. You're the not most signing a running back. The most it important coaching hire I would argue that they will make is who is going to coach that offensive line. And again, I'll go back to uh, the New York Giants. Next year, you're going to talk about the Giants having one of the best offensive lines in football, and they did it through the draft and through coaching, and that's how they built that line back up to where it is. Didn't, and look, the Falcons have a lot of young talent on the O line, right? Like it's there. Didn't there? Didn't their offensive line coach get in a fist fight with their head coach? Yeah, he didn't. They, and, and, but they, they, they dumped him for that reason. Um, but Joe Judge oh, was part of that. It wasn't because he wasn't doing a good job with the offensive line. No, he it was, was it was personality-driven, 100%. But, but, also, Mark, uh, you're not going to sign a running back. You're going to have to draft him. You can't draft everybody. No, and sure. I do, I do agree with you, though. The offensive line is a big deal. But see, the Falcons have talent on the O line. I think it, I think it's easy that a, I think a coach, and I would argue that Chris Morgan has been one of the bigger failures in this organization the last couple of years as, as to why that offensive line has gotten better. Uh, different discussion uh, for a different day. Well, let me 
what if I told you it wasn't as much Chris Morgan as it was a scheme? And the way the scheme's being, at, the way you're being asked to execute. Schemes. Okay, I would, I would agree. But then, why would you hire a offensive coordinator and keep Chris Morgan when his blocking style doesn't fit? The, like that's just organizationally flawed. That's not what I'm saying. No, that's not what I'm saying. Though, what I'm saying is, is I think play calling has not. I don't. I've, I've said, I said this earlier. Play calling has put the offense behind the eight ball numerous times, and a lot of the play calling failures have been when they try to run the ball. And I just think it's been, it just hasn't worked. You also have to look, you got two, you, you have one to two possible new guys on the offensive line next year. Cause you don't know if Alex Mack's going to want to come back for one more year. You have to sign, you know, sign a cheap deal. Um, you supposedly replaced his, uh, drafted his replacement in Matt Hennessy, who we haven't seen, but because, you know, and Raheem Morris even said yesterday, you know, I haven't seen him because, uh, well, quite honestly, he wasn't drafted to play guard, and he's a better center, and he's he's learning under that. But, you know, what does James Carpenter do? James Carpenter has played okay this year when he's been on the field, not played much better than he played the year before. Um, so, yeah, you still got him under contract. Uh, I'd have to look at his contract. I don't know how what his looks like. But, well, I mean, like, I think there's a lot of conversations you can have on it. But, it's uh, it's going to be interesting. I do think that the offense and the way the plays have been called have hurt everyone on him, everyone, including the offensive line to the quarterback to even the running backs at times. Yeah, again, I, I, I just wonder part of the – you know, hiring process, you talk about the GM and the head coach, you know, what sort of decisions they're going to make. I think it's a hard sell, you know, and, and people have mentioned like Eric Bieniemy, and I'm, I'm sitting here going, why would Eric Bieniemy want this job? Like, I, I don't know that it's as appealing as people think it is. Um, you, you're talking about a, a team that has to clear some cap space. Um, they, they're up there in years at, at some of the positions you don't want to be up there in years at. And, uh, they're in a division where I think that's fairly winnable, especially when you talk about Breeze probably leaving and Brady only being here for one more year uh, in the short term. But I, I, a new coach is going to want to tie themselves to a young quarterback long term, especially a guy like Biennemi. You know, he, he's he's been working with Patrick Mahomes for the last couple of years. He's more akin to taking the job with Trevor Lawrence or taking the job with Justin Fields, whatever it may be, because though, or Deshaun Watson in Houston. Like those are the guys that he coordinates best. I don't know that, uh, and, and this isn't a slight against Biennemi's play calling skills, or whatever. but I just don't know that coordinating Matt Ryan is what, where he wants to plant his flag as a first-time head coach in this league. Well, he'd, he'd just as soon be here than Houston because you don't have salary cap or draft picks there. No, you don't, but you have a, diff- you have a different quarterback. How do we know what Eric Biennemi is? Where no, we don't. We don't. Where does he begin and Andy Reid ends? Because I can tell you, that Matt Nagy, Andy Reid, Tree, not so good. Nope. Doug Peterson, mm, not so I mean, good. Yeah, he was he was great when he had Frank Wright, but when Frank Wright left, uh, I don't know. And Nick Foles left, and Nick Foles is already a smart guy. So, but I mean, what did Doug Peterson do with Carson Wentz? Carson Wentz has regressed under Doug Peterson. He was progressing under Frank Wright, and mm-hmm. I'm not even a big Frank Wright guy. I am. But, I mean. So I mean, I, I, you know, Doug Peterson deserves some credit for the Super Bowl, but but where is this? How is who is it? when uh, Tyreek Hill spoke the other day and he said, you know, um, you know, uh, when Patrick Mahomes got here, I, I didn't think much of him. I thought he was terrible. 
but he worked with his quarterback coach. He was always with his quarterback coach and Coach Reed. I never heard Eric Bieniemy's name mentioned. Eric Bieniemy's not a quarterback's coach. He's an offensive coordinator. The guy was a running back. Good one, too, Colorado. A lot of fun to watch. But who who's saying that Eric Bieniemy is calling plays? And who's saying that he's responsible for Patrick Mahomes? Or is Patrick Mahomes responsible with some of his own hard work? And the talent on that team, I mean, I could call plays on that team. Again, I'm not taking anything away from the enemy, but that kind of hire scares me because I don't know what he is, and I don't know who I want for head coach. All right, so I'm not even going to start with that. But I, you know, it worries me that the enemy has been labeled the, the the babe, the boy, and we don't really know 100 percent why he uh, what he does or. Also, I come back to, well, why hasn't he been hired already? Coming off a Super Bowl run last year, if the enemy's the guy, what have other uh, teams seen that they weren't keen on? What What is it? Something is uh, not – something's misfiring on why he doesn't have a job already. Yeah, you know, no, I, I, I get what you're saying. Again, and, and – uh, Bienemy, Brian Dayball, whoever it is out there who who have been great offensive coordinators so far to this point, uh, and and number twos, who knows how they're going to work out as number ones? It it, it doesn't it doesn't always translate. I, th- I think we have plenty of examples of that. So uh, there's a lot of questions to be answered, and over the course of the next couple of weeks, obviously, in you know we're gonna we're gonna find out some of the answers to these questions, like who the GM's going to be, and and where the Falcons, at least direction, you know, organizationally, what direction they're going to go in. So. Uh, we, we have a lot to, to get to yet uh, and a lot to happen going forward. But we'll break it all down here on the Brawl Network again. Falcons Brawl, your place for the best Falcons coverage. He is Bo Morgan. Follow him on Twitter at SquidBilly929. I am Mark Zinno on Twitter at Mark Zinno, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. Make sure you guys follow the Brawl Network at Network Brawl. And make sure you guys tune in every week for the best Falcons information out there on the web. So for Bo Morgan, I'm Mark Zinno. We'll talk to you guys again soon. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.